0: you Thank you. So were you able to get that? By the way in your outline today you have actually two outlines and you might say you've never done that before and I would say you know what I've never done that before. (laughs) I wasn't sure which outline and my one concern was the one message was going to take a lot longer. So I decided not to do Hannah, though I might do Hannah one of these days, possibly. So you may see that again. But I'm going to be in Titus chapter 2, what's a mother, or what's a woman to do? You've seen this cartoon before, this haggard, frazzled, sprawled out woman sitting on this, you know, the chair, this overstuffed chair, maybe like a fly, you know, a bunch of stuff. And then you have those three rugrats and you can tell she's completely exhausted with life you know completely with you know seeking to raise these kids and toys and crayons are cluttered all over the floor a carpet sweeper was propped up against the wall a dust cloth hung from her hand as her husband comes prancing in from work briefcase in hand and he gave her a quizzical look and said exhausted she said this is what she said: I'll, "I'll be glad when the kids are grown up, so I have time to be a good parent." <laughs> well, we you got to have time to be a good parent right now, right? You don't, can't wait. Although, then there are those people that come up with a list of what all what mothers do, and comes and they try to uh, do it in a financial way. I found this a while wow, back. Did you have it? Um, it's where they actually categorize and say, you know, she's a psychologist. She's, uh, because she deals with the children's problems, no-go, forget it. Um, And they have all these lists of what this woman does and her total cost just to hire all these specialized people to accomplish in their, in her family, this, it would come up to like $67,000. So when, when you're, a day, day. day. yeah. (laughs) How many kids did you, how many kids did you have? Um, You know, because let's face it, all the different things that a mother does and then many times have to go out to the secular job as well because the family needs it. I'm not going to get down that path very far, but um, again, we have to be careful that we are understanding what God expects. Okay? Oh, there she is. You know, let's face it. Day ca- daycare teacher, uh, three thousand seven hundred dollars. Chief ex- executive officer, officer, psychologist, cook, five thousand six hundred dollars. Housekeeper, four thousand. Is that all it's worth? Four thousand dollars. Laundry operator, communicator operator, facilities manager, janitor, van driver, four thousand. I mean, look at how these cost. 60, Sixty-six thousand nine hundred seventy-nine dollars. Throwing some change. In other words, a mother's job is. By the way, if any of you ladies want this, I'll uh, I'll send it to you. You know, sometimes sometimes men don't appreciate what their wives are are doing. In fact, sometimes they don't appreciate, and the culture does not appreciate what the woman does so much so that the woman says, "You know what? To really be fulfilled, I'm going to have to go back to work." Now, I, again, I understand there are times you have to work. There are a lot of situations out there in life where uh, because of costs or whatever, uh, or because of what the man says, you need to work. I'm not saying it's that that's what you should do. I'm saying that's what he's telling you to do. And, and, and I, I think in that scenario, you just say, Lord, you take care of him. okay? And again, I'm not saying that it's always wrong. I know when I, whenever I go down this path of whether the woman should work outside of the home, I'm lighting a match that could explode. I understand that. But the reality is sometimes there's a necessity, and I think many times there is not. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. But let's, let's see what, w- without being too hyper and without having hurt feelings or anything like that, let's just see what God says in Titus. That's all I'm trying to. And, and, and by the way, I, I, the whole message is not this that you need to go to uh, stay home. That is not the message of the day. All I'm really trying to do today is look at Titus and say, what does God expect of women? Whether you're older a woman or a younger woman. What does God expect? And again, it doesn't have to do with whether you work outside the home or not. Get that out of your mind. As soon as I say that, sometimes a woman that's sitting in the congregation is immediately focused in on that. And they don't hear another word I say for the rest of the sermon. And that's too bad because that's not what I'm even talking about. I just want to look at Titus chapter 2 and say, you know, what does God expect of older women and younger women? Older mothers and younger mothers. What does God expect from you? Well, let me give you an overview. Ephesians 6 verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. promise. There's a promise that's hooked to that, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. There's a promise connected. And the word honor means to value. Okay? To value. To place a high worth on this person, we should create a high. We, there should be a high worth, as I think of my own mother and my own father. And I've told you many stories of recent how, in my in my older days, I've valued them much more than my younger days. We have to do that, but then let's go into four things that should mark her, and we we get very quickly into the text, in verse two. Well, let's let, let's just read chapter two, verses two to. Let's see here, 2 to 5. But as for you, so this is Titus 2, chapter... Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men, again, he's talking about men here, be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in in love, in patience. And now we've got the guy out of the way. He's going to bring up the younger man in verse 6, but... But all we really want to focus in on now is verse 2. Or excuse me, verse 3. That the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, number one. Not slanderers, number two. Number three, not given to much wine. And then finally, teachers of good things. That they they admonish the younger women. See, now we've gone from the older woman in verse 3 to verse 4. The younger woman, that they might love their husbands, to their own and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Do you see how it, the the passage breaks up kind of in somewhat sense odd? He first of all says the old men, then the older women, then the younger women, and then the younger man, in verse six. But in what what he's uh, what Paul is talking to Titus about is listen. This is what God expects of you. This is what God expects of each one of you. You find yourself here. You find yourself here. Are you an older man, a younger man, an older woman, a younger woman? And are you doing your responsibilities? No, you don't understand. I'm retired. It has nothing to do. That's cultural. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Well, you don't understand my parents. No, 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 no. This is what God is saying. I'm too busy. Don't you understand how bit bu- No, no. This is what God expects. And this is what you stand before, one, one of the things you will be judged by. See, we need to know what God expects and then, again, uh, follow it because God is going to be judging us, evaluate, evaluating us based on this. Well, the first thing is this. A godly woman is marked by outward consecration to God. She's, she's marked. And in, in, in the first four points here, the qualities of an older woman, she's going to be marked by these things. So they, the, the older woman in verse four, he's going to be laying out things that she already is. She's marked by this. I find it interesting that she's marked by it. In other words, she is one of hearing, she is marked by outward consecration. She's, what does it say, reverent in behavior reverent in behavior. She's consecrated, sacred, holy. She's one of the, as, uh, as the uh, Bible says in other passages, uh, she's one of the holy women. Okay, she's, she's priest-like. Now again, she, the Bible does not say that she's perfect. It, she, but it does say that she's available. Okay, okay. As you're, as you're reading this passage, you're going to come up and say, Well, I, that's not me. I'm not that perfect. No, the Bible's not saying perfect, but the Bible is saying that she's available. This is how the Bible paints this older woman. I want to be on your team, Lord. And I want to pass the baton, Lord. And I want to search out for the younger women, Lord, and train them because I know that's what's on your heart, Lord. Okay? That, that's what I'm saying. So there's an availability. There's an availability. He's not not after your ability, he's he's after your availability. Are you willing to change? Are you willing to do what God wants you to do here? Another passage you might want to write down, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10, it says this, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing. And, And then you say, well, Paul, what's the proper clothing? modestly and discreetly not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments because in that day and age they literally many times the women would would carry their entire inheritance in their hair gold pearls silver all kinds of precious stones would be woven into their hair and that's, that was their i mean that was their bank <laughs> but again what is Paul saying no no that's not what it's all about it's not about the stuff of the world again 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9 but rather by means of good words as befits women making a claim to godliness no you you want to be you want to be spiritually godly not financially wealthy that's that's the that's the issue so she is marked by outward consecration to god it's not about the what you have It's who you are. I remember a story with Lorne Sanny. I think he was the founder of Navigators, uh, a Christian organization. Very famous Christian organization He he, he is being as well. But this is what he once wrote of his mother. Quote, "'My mother gave birth to me in a frontier house on a Midwestern prairie. On the kitchen counter she placed a list of the ingredients necessary for my formula.' At the top of the list was this, quote-unquote, prayer. And that remained at the top of her list for me throughout her life. I have her to thank for firmly establishing my spiritual roots, end quote. So I ask you mothers, do you pray for your kids? That sounds so obvious. Of course a Christian mother would pray for her kids. Why wouldn't a Christian mother pray, not pray for her kids? Let's face it, we live in dangerous times uh, Satan is out there, the world and the flesh, and many are going down. Of course, Christian mothers pray for their kids, do you? Because a lot of times I think we, the obvious, we don't. The obvious, we don't. I, I hope you do. I hope men. I trust that you're praying for your your children. There's a it's a hard world, right, spiritually. I trust that you're praying for your children. Maybe you're a young father. Man, we had some young men and some young women up here holding babies. And let me tell you, they're going to be up and out of that house very quickly. Amen? And they will. You'll be bringing them down that aisle with a lot of tears in your eyes. And then you'll look back and you say, man, I hope I did it all right. And, and, then I, and then I remember me thinking to myself, saying, you know what? I'm not God, but I can continue to pray. Right, you just got to keep praying, praying, praying. I love this story, and I think I've told it to you many times. Actually, uh, an American was traveling in India. She, he met this elderly lady, and and uh, this white-haired woman had unusual dignity. Just there was a, it was like a magnet. He was just like drawn to her, and he said, he said to this older woman, "Believe me, you are truly beautiful." And it wasn't inappropriate. And and she said, you know, I should be uh, beautiful. I have had the opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ for 74 years. Do you understand the beauty I'm talking about there? We're not talking about uh, sizes. We're talking about a woman who walked with Jesus. Many of you are like that. I'm not talking about your outward. I'm talking about your spiritual beauty, whether you're a man or a woman. See, it's her holy character. That's the first thing that this woman is marked by in Titus chapter 2, verse 3. Reverent in behavior. Beautiful. How about number two? She is marked. Again, identified. Flagged, as it were. You look at this woman. She is marked by edifying speech. Again, uh, I think the New American says, not malicious gossips. Not a slanderer. The word is diabol- di- diabolus. Get our word Satan or devil. And in other words, she, she doesn't go down the path of Satan. She doesn't play into Satan's w- ways. Many women do. They do it through gossip. That's how uh, Satan gets many women. Gossip. I like what MacArthur he, he said it this way. Men. Tend to be rough or violent in their actions. Women have a tendency to be rough or violent in their words. In their words. See, they don't get you with their throwing their fists, they get you with the words they say. And sometimes bind the guy right up, doesn't know what to say. And then he gets frustrated, and then a lot more happens. This idea of chatter, just unwholesome words. In fact, Ephesians four twenty nine says, "Let no word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good." Catch this. What is good? This is to everyone, but especially to, in this context, women. But what is good for edification? See, are you one that slanders? Are you critical? Do you propagate ungodliness with your words? Are you a gossip? Let me give you a a question and then answer it a little bit. When does talk, when does gossip, or when does talk, when does just plain talk move into the area of gossip? Okay, that's the question. When does regular talk, if if speaking is so at times destructive, when does speaking move into gossip? Four things. When you are unwilling to be quoted. Did I give these in your outline? I can't remember if I... All right. When you're unwilling to be quoted, sometimes people talk, and they're talking, talking, talking. I, I like to once in a while say this, can I quote you and can I tell this person this? Because if, if, if you're willing to say it, are, are you willing to hear it from someone else's mouth? Are you willing to be quoted? And if you have not or are unwilling to say to the person's face what you said to that other person, then you shouldn't say it, right? If you are saying, no, 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 I don't want them to hear it. That's what we call a whisperer. Proverbs 16.28, if you want to write a verse down. Number two, when the person, this is the second, when when talk is wrong because it's moved into gossip, when when the person being talked about finds out and is unduly wounded, well, why don't you want them to hear it? Because they'll be wounded. They'll be hurt to think that I said that about them. Well, but Proverbs 26.22 says, the words of a tailbearer, are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the innermost body. Tasty trifles are the, a lot of times, like at a wedding. Oh, I love the, what is that? What is that stuff that you get at a wedding? It's very, very sweet, and they cut it in pieces, and it's found in the Middle East. Ah, but ba, baklava. Tasty trifles, they go into the innermost body, but but again, when the person being talked about. In other words, you you eat that and then you get sick. By the way, do you ever have that experience? No? I have. You know, eat too much sugar? Okay. Anyways, sometimes I pig out. No, I don't anymore. God is... (laughs) Number three. It becomes wrong, it becomes gossip when there is greater, not less strife after sharing it. That the strife has actually gotten worse, not better. Well, I just want to tell you this to re- resolve the uh, strife. No, it actually gets worse. Proverbs 26, verse 20. 26, 20. Where there is no wood, and now think about this, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Boy, this has been a great year, hasn't it? As far as burning wood, because we didn't need to that much because it was such a warm winter and stuff. But when, the wood, when there is no wood, the fire goes out. When the wood... And where there is no talebearer, no whisperer, strife ceases. You get rid of the whisperer and the strife will cease. And then finally, when it separates friends. That's when it's wrong. When talk becomes gossip is when it actually separates friends. Again, Proverbs 16.28, And a whisperer separates the best of friends. You can have two really good friends, but if you get a whisper in the mix to those two individuals or four individuals, they will actually separate the best of friends. It hurts relationships. It destroys unity in the church. It hampers ministry. On and on we can go. That's when talk becomes, becomes sinful because that talk has gone into gossip. So we've we got to guard our tongue. Now, what... Why am I saying all this? Because a godly woman is not a slanderer. She doesn't have malicious gossip. She is able, a a godly woman is able to control her tongue. She has over time learned that what you say can be very, very hurtful, very, very destructive. So that's the second quality, the second mark of a godly woman. So the first one is consecration to God. The second one is edifying speech. How about number three? Not given to much wine. That sounds kind of odd in the mix of here. Not a slanderer, not given to much wine. Like, What is he getting at? Well, I I think what he's really getting at is she is marked by self-control. By self-control. In other words, she's not enslaved. The word given, dulio, not in bondage. She's not in bondage. A lot of people can be in bondage to a lot of things. But here's a woman who is not in bondage. Um, she, she's able to, now again, he gives one example, wine. In that day and age, a lot of people were addicted to wine. our drink, <clears throat> you know, all that stuff. But again, with her, you'd have to encompass a lot more than just drink. She's not enslaved to, let's say, money. See, Corinthians 6 says this, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. A godly woman who is one who has not been mastered by anything. And God over time has nurtured in her soul a love for God to such a degree that she's not enslaved to anything. So whether it's money, the love of money. By the way, that that verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where... The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right after that says, because of her, or because of their greediness. So you, you identify why, why are they love? Why is there a love of money? There's a love of money because in the heart there's a greediness for more. I oh, always want more, 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 more. That's what's driving the wagon there. Uh, love of money. John 12 talks about the love of approval of man. Proverbs 21, 17 talks about the love of pleasure. If we ever get to Ecclesiastes, we'll see that. Uh, the love of entertainment. In other words, she is able to keep to God's priorities in her life. That's really what he, I think what he's getting at in uh, that, that third mark is that she has been able to keep to the priorities. She's not mastered by anything but what God wants her mastered by, and that's the Lord himself. So she's marked by self-control. No, I don't need that. No. Nope. The Lord has taught me that he, he's enough. He is enough. So she's marked by self-control. And then finally, she is marked by, teaching, by the teachings of godliness. Uh, uh, teachers of good things. Teachers. Kalos. In other words, intrinsically good things. Not superficial stuff. Here's a wife. Here's an older woman who is, again, we find out very soon, she's going to be teaching the younger woman things that really matter, not superficiality stuff. She's she's going to start helping the younger woman. You know what? You're going to be tempted by this world. You're going to be tempted for the approval of man, to have the love for the approval of man. You're going to be tempted to love pleasure, to love entertainment. You are going to be tempted to love money. And, and, and I want to teach you and train you that, no, that's not what you need to be running after, younger woman. Okay? That's, that's what the older women should be teaching the younger women. And if we don't teach it, what, what are they going to... They're going to have very materialistic, superficial homes, right? They're going to be running after stuff that does not matter 50 years from now, 20 years from now even. So this is very important stuff, that the older woman... Is teaching the younger woman. And here's the final mark: they're teaching godliness. Now, again, who's the best one to pass the baton on to the younger woman? The, the older, okay? No one is better able to train a younger woman than an experienced older woman. And you might say, well, who is the older person? And, and I would say, set it about age 60. Now you you might say why? Well, go over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 9. First 1, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 9. Keep your hand in Titus. We'll be right back. 1 Timothy 5 verse 9. Do not let a widow, here's a widow, under 60 years old be taken into the number. Did I say that correctly? Okay, I want to make sure I was. All right, so let's make sure that a widow under 60 years old be taken. Let's do not let a widow under 60 years old be be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man. So for Paul, it seems that at that point, this woman is kind of entering the old stage, the elderly stage. Boy, does that sound bad? No, I'm just trying to say there seems to be a distinction. Yeah, well, no, because, you see, we, what, you're try, yeah, what you're trying to do is, you know, what does it mean by older woman? Well, let's just kind of peg it, you know, up to maybe 40 and raising children between 20 and 60 years old. A woman under 60 could be considered young in the biblical sense. So, And, and, and they're supposed to be teaching, teaching, teaching. Verse 4, that they admonish the younger women. Now, notice the seven things, and we'll just hit these very quickly. Now, the reason this is so important is, is our culture, feminism, says exactly the opposite of what they ought to be taught. See, this is not you're not going to hear this in our culture. You are not going to hear this in our culture. Women today are encouraged to love whomever they want, to farm out their children to someone else's care and influence, And not to worry about being sensible or pure, but to do whatever pleases them in fulfilling what? Their desires. That's what our society says. So, let's see what the older woman, that one that's heading towards 60, should be doing for the younger, those that are under 60, to to make sure they're thinking biblical. First of all, since the older woman has been marked by these things... She's earned the right to speak. And she's going to be teaching. So the first thing is this. Teach her, teach the younger woman to develop a loving relationship with their husband. It says to love their husbands. Wait. You're saying that a woman, an older woman, is supposed to teach a younger woman how to love their their husband? I thought that was natural. I, I thought it was natural to love your husband. Isn't it natural to love your husband and woman? I've done so many weddings, and and, uh, and, and uh, the bride comes down the aisle, and she's all googly-eyed, and he's all googly-eyed, and I always like watching them when their eyes catch, you know, after the day of being, you know, they were apart for a whole day, and finally. <laughs> and they're like... And yet it, is, it says that you are to... Teach her to love their husbands. By the way, this is not agape, this is flat, oh, this is friendship. Teach that woman to be a friend to her husband. It's not going to come natural. It's not going to come natural. There is a tendency to be selfish, a very big tendency, a a big tendency to do it their own way, and a big tendency to ditch the whole thing if if it doesn't turn out the way she wants it or he wants it. So, Paul says to uh, Titus, make sure that you teach her to develop a loving relationship with that man. Okay, a practical, emotional love for that person. Teach the younger to develop and nurture a true friendship with her husband. By the way, you can, you know, my wife and I, um, she can develop a lot of friendships, and she ought to. But the priority relationship should be me. And my priority relationship be to her. Right? It shouldn't be to, to her children or whoever else. By the way, that's why I'm so, quite often, so against Facebook. Because sometimes I'm thinking to myself, there are men and women almost being hooked, line and sinker, right? They're being hooked like a fish and brought in for the slaughter because... That person is showing undue, um, what's that? Yeah, attention to the other person that's not their husband or wife. Okay? You know what I'm getting at. How about number two? Teach her how, this is an older woman, should teach her how to develop a loving relationship with her children, to love their children. Phla- oh, technon. Uh, develop, learn how to develop a true friendship with your child, not child centered. Too, many, too much child-centeredness in homes. This is learning how to be a true friend. A true friend, by the way, is able to admonish and encourage and exhort someone else and they not get hurt. That's what true friends can do. A true friend can come to another friend and say, you know what, let me help you out in this area. And if we're true friends, I should be able to speak openly to you. And you should be willing to say, yes, tell me, tell me what you see in my life. How about number three, teach her how to have a sound mind, to be discreet. The New American says sensible. In other words, it's, it's the word encourage, a sound mind. Uh, it refers to common sense, making sound judgments. That's what older women should do for the younger. Help them to think straight. By the way, there's a lot of desires and impulses. They need self-control. They're young. There's a lot of hormones going on. sometimes, Younger women want to throw in the towel. You know, they've been yeah, they've been married now for six, eight, ten years, had a few kids, it's gotten a little hard and, and their their thinking's gotten kind of messed up, and all of a sudden they're talking about you know, I don't know if it's worth it. Wait, we gotta have the older woman come along and say, You know, honey, I understand where you are. Because I was there. I was there. Okay? Sound mind, discreet, thinking. With self-control. How about number four? Teach her how to be pure. The word chaste. Morally and sexually pure. It's interesting that many of the heroes of the faith had major disaster stories in the second half of their life, not the first. Right? So older women need to come along and say, listen, just because now you're 54 years old, don't think that you're out of the woods yet. There's still, there's still minefields out there that you're good, you can be destroyed, especially in the area of moral and sexually being pure. Number five, teach her how to uh, take care of their own household. Homemakers, or the New American says, workers at home. In other words, make the home the priority. Now again, I'm not saying that you can't work outside the home. In fact, one author said it this way It is not so much that a woman's place is in the home as that her responsibility is for the home. It's not so much that she's in the home, it's that her major responsibility is for the home. And if a woman can take that responsibility and say, I can do that plus, well, then it's between her and God. It's not between her and me or her and the elders. Between her and God, so it's not so much that a woman's place is in the home, as that her responsibility is for the home. Number six, teach her how to be a good, how to be good-natured. The word is kind in New American or good. It just means good natured, not grumpy. Sometimes too much grumpiness going on. I, 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 aren't we the most prosperous as far as financial? in the world, and yet so many grumpy, grumpy, depressed people. Right? So again, good-natured. Teach her how to be good-natured. Ephesians says this, created in Christ Jesus for good work. That means she's pleasant, gentle, considerate, joyful. She's still home, but she's contented. She's good-natured. People like to be around her. She's an encourager. This young one is the encourager. So the older one has encouraged the young one to be an encourager. Number seven, teach her how to be submissive, obedient to their own husbands. And the word is hupatasso. It's that it's that military term that says, I will put myself under the authority of the one in control. It would be the uh, private putting, he- putting himself under authority of the general. And that is always in the... Uh, say it this way, it is not the duty of the man to put his wife or mother in subjection under him. It is her responsibility to know what God says and to do it on her own. So if any of you men are ever banging on your wives and saying, did you hear what the pastor said this morning? You need to put yourself under my authority. You can honestly say it this way, that's not what he said. He said what he he really said, if you're paying attention is that God wants you to put yourself under authority to that, to me. How do I want to say it? It is my response, this is the woman speaking, it is my responsibility to put um, myself under your authority. It, it's, it's laid on the man to do it, okay? Too much of this pointing fingers. not right, not right. So, how does the old... old Older training, the younger really works. It doesn't just happen. I'm, just, I'm going to close with this. It doesn't just happen. The older must be determined and accept responsibility for this. So again, I don't know if you're 50, 60, 70, or you're 20, 30. If you're in the, you're in the higher age group and you're getting older, I would say this. Are you fulfilling this responsibility? Because God has laid it out very clear. But if you're a younger one, I would say this. Don't, don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs saying, well, I hope someone comes in. I hope one of the older ladies of the church uh, starts discipling me pretty soon because I'm, gonna, I'm getting a little bit older here. But that you would start praying, and, Lord, help me to connect with some of the older women of this church so that I can learn these principles through another life. That's what you want to do. So it doesn't just happen, the older must be determined and accept the responsibility that that they, that's the purpose clause, at times may be confronted, at times may be uh, in, encouraging of these uh, younger women, but they're going to take the responsibility and that the younger are going to be teachable. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I love this, uh, the, the one ministry there. What, what is it called that you meet on uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning? Time out. Time out. What is time out? Time out is a group of women, older and the younger, mixing together so that the older can pass the baton to the younger. That's what I see it as. It's very biblical. It's Titus 2. It's it's a responsibility of our church. It's a responsibility as a Christian that we do that. So if if you're not involved in time out and you're in those age groups, I would strongly encourage you to do that. We need to see the baton pass because, again, so many times we're just looking after what the culture says, not what the Bible says. Let's stand as we close. Winston Churchill was once asked by a London editor his approval of a list of his, his greatest teachers, his teachers that had influenced his life. Churchill returned the list with this comment, quote, "...you have omitted to mention the greatest of my teachers, my mother." he understood it. He understood where the, his insights came from. You know, we, we know how important it is because society can't survive if the patan of, of wisdom is not being passed down. But again, from God's point of view, <clears throat> there's a couple of things that have to happen. If you're older, again, key word. What's key word? Responsibility. I would encourage you to take the responsibility. If you're an older Christian... This is how we need to think, older Christian. Lord, you have given me insight for 30 plus years. I need to pass that on. It's part of my responsibility before you. But if you're a younger Christian, what's the key word? Teachability. Teachability. If you're a younger Christian, this is what should be going through your mind. Lord, lead me to one or two older Christians that can help me learn those truths, those things that should be poured into my life. And help me to be teachable. That when they come into my life, I don't ditch it. Yeah, you know, not nah, nah, next, you know, as far as mentor, next. No, Lord, if this is the one that I need to hang with, I want to be teachable. I trust that you're in that uh, 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 thinking. You want to be in that thinking. Because otherwise what will happen is you'll miss it. Some need to be responsible, others need to be teachable. And then we can all work together and the baton keeps being passed and we can protect truth. And I trust that's where you are at. Now again, I, 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 uh, I trust that you're going to have a, a wonderful Mother's Day. If, if your mom is living, I, I really so hope that you call her with encouragement in, in, in your voice and really wish her a happy Mother's Day. I thought for years it didn't matter. That is not true. Okay, I'll leave it at that. That is not true. You need to call your mother. So I I trust that you will do that and honor Christ in the process. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And we pray that we might honor our fathers and mothers. Uh, Father, I pray that we will be passing the baton on of truth and that you might make this church, your church, strong because this truth is being passed on to the next generation. And we ask that we would do this for your purposes and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.